This morning we continue our sermon series, While You Were Sleeping. Stories from the Bible in which we find persons either sleeping when something significant happens or persons who have maybe fallen asleep and maybe at an inopportune time, as we will see this morning. But in this series, what we're trying to do is to shed some light on the ways that maybe we have fallen asleep or have been sleeping in our faith. Ways in which maybe we have drifted off or fallen asleep unintentionally in our walk with Christ. Well, this morning we're going to explore what it means for us to wake up when spiritual exhaustion sets in. When maybe you feel like you're being stretched too thin, and before you know it, you're drifting away from God. Or maybe you put your faith on cruise control to tend to another area of your life. It happens to all of us. Our lives are incredibly busy. Our bodies run on a cycle called the circadian rhythm. It is essentially our body clock. It is the cycle or rhythm in which our body operates over the course of a 24-hour period, especially with regards to the sleep and wake cycle. And our bodies run on a number of different cycles. In fact, our bodies have a number of internal clocks that are all operating at the same time. The circadian rhythm operates or cycles every 24 hours and primarily governs sleep and wake. The ultradian rhythms occur multiple times within a 24-hour period, and they vary widely. Some of the cycles that are governed by ultradian rhythms include our hunger and digestion, our heart rate, our rest and exertion, and many of the other cycles that happen daily that we don't think of on a day-to-day basis. And there's also a number of infradian rhythms, or rhythms that have a duration longer than 24 hours. They may repeat every couple of days, weeks, months, or even years. I say all of this to make the point that our bodies require rhythm. And when those rhythms become disrupted or depleted, exhaustion sets in. For Israel, one of the most important rhythms was their ritual life. Their ritual life was steeped in a theocentric or God-centered view of time. We tend to think of time on a linear scale from beginning to end. However, for the Hebrews, for the Israelites, time revolved around their ritual life and around the presence of God much like this spirograph and God being at the center. The most clear demonstration of this is their weekly practice of Sabbath, a rhythm that for many of us in our busyness, unfortunately, has become non-existent. But for Israel, time was centered on being in God's presence. Sabbath worship served as a thin time or a sacred time in which they drew so near to God that they believed that the veil was lifted between heaven and earth. And the Sabbath served as this foundational constant in the life of Israel because Sabbath was not just the climax of their week. It was not just the climax of God's creation. 
but it was also the source of their week and the source of creation. It is both rest and renewal, both fulfillment and inspiration. And when this cycle, just like any other cycle, is interrupted, it fails to return to its source and exhaustion sets in. If we look in the New Testament at John chapter 1, it tells us that in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God, and that through Him all things were created, and the Word became flesh. You see, Jesus Christ is the Word, and it is through Him that all things are created, and therefore Jesus is our source. And so when we fail to remain in Him, spiritual exhaustion sets in. In our story for today, a young man experiences physical exhaustion. And Luke uses this story to teach us about spiritual exhaustion. This morning we return to the book of Acts, which we were in last week, and this week we go to Acts chapter 20. Paul is on his third missionary journey, and he's traveling from Greece on his way back to Jerusalem when he stops in a town called Troas. And that is where our story for this morning takes place. Our scripture reader for this morning is Elizabeth Moshek. So Elizabeth, go ahead and make your way to the podium. If you're able, we'd ask that you please stand and face the center of the room. We face the center of the room to remind us that scripture is to be central in our lives and because we believe that this is indeed the authoritative word of God. So Elizabeth, whenever you are ready, please go ahead and read Acts 20 verses 7 through 12. On the first day of the week, we came together to break bread. Paul spoke to the people, and because he had intended to leave the next day, kept on talking until midnight. There were many lamps in the upstairs room where we were meeting. Seated in a window was a young man named Eutychus, who was sinking into a deep sleep as Paul talked on and on. And when he was sound asleep, he fell to the ground from the third story and was picked up dead. Paul went down, threw himself on the young man, and put his arms around him. Don't be alarmed, he said. He's alive. Then he went upstairs again and broke bread and ate. After talking until daylight, he left. The people took the young man home alive and were greatly comforted. Thank you, Elizabeth. You may all be seated. Now, in modern times, this passage has often been used in a humorous sense, warning against what happens when you preach too long. <laughs> a warning that people will start to fall asleep if a pastor gets long-winded. It even says that Paul talked until midnight, and if that didn't make the point clear enough, it says that he talked on and on. So if I start seeing any of you do this, or this, I'll know that I better wrap it up. But I'll try not to go on and on this morning. But it is a fascinating pa passage because the more and more I read it, the more and more I found. But don't worry, like I said, I'll try and keep it under a couple hours. In all seriousness, I love this story, though. It's so interesting because the first time I read it, it just seemed to be this interjection in the midst of uh, Luke's travel log. 
He's keeping this log of him and Paul's journey. And so Paul is on this journey, and they stop in this town called Troas for seven days. And there's this seemingly random story in the middle of it. A story about a young man who falls asleep in church, who's sitting on a windowsill. Paul then raises him from the dead. The story continues on, and it goes back to Paul's journey. Eutychus is never mentioned again. So we have this single time that he's mentioned, this single story in Scripture. And most of us, I think, when we would read this story, especially the first time, what we get out of it is that Paul was able to raise someone from the dead. That doesn't happen very often in Scripture. And so uh, that seems significant, and it is significant. But as I thought about it, and as I read this story over and over again, I became fascinated with it. And I came up with all of these questions and all of these different thoughts about what is actually trying to take place and what is Luke trying to teach us. And so I think if we stop here and pause along Paul's journey, just as Luke does, to tell this story, we're able to see and understand a deeper meaning of what Luke is trying to teach us. So I really want to focus this morning on these six verses and what's happening and what's taking place. First of all, we have a first-person account of what is happening. Luke was a companion of Paul's, and so this story is written in the first person. Luke is there when it takes place, so we know that it's a reliable recounting of the story, of what actually happened. And so he sets the stage explaining that they were in this upper room on the third story that was well lit. And Luke tells us that Eutychus is present when Paul is teaching, and that it seems that Paul is droning on and on all through the night, even until daybreak. And Eutychus has become so tired that he can no longer keep from sinking into a deep sleep. We've all been there, right? Hopefully not in an unsafe location, but we've all been there, right, where you start to do that head nod and snap awake, just trying to stay awake because we've all been so exhausted to that point where you're unable to keep from nodding off. I I remember when I was in basic training, we had classes during the day. So we would get up at 4 a.m. in the morning and we would go to PT. And after PT, then it would be showers and breakfast. And then we would go off to class. And you'd go into this classroom that would seat 60 or so. And the instructor would be up front. We'd be sitting in there. But we also had flight leaders called element leaders. And they would sit up front and face the rest of the flight. And they would sit there and make sure that no one dozed off. They would look for dozers, and they would watch. And if anyone started to doze off, they would call them out by name and make them go stand at the back, hoping that they wouldn't fall asleep standing. Now, personally, I think it only happened to me once. But anyways, by the end of the class, there was usually about 10 people or so that were standing at the back because they had started to doze off. We were all exhausted until we were finally able to develop some sense of routine. And so, you know what I'm talking about, right? You've been there where you've started to nod off, where you had to do that head shake to try and get yourself to snap out of it. Because when exhaustion sets in, when it hits, it's impossible to stay awake. Our bodies know that we need that rest, so they begin shutting down, and it's hard for us to stay awake unless we have a good daily rhythm. 
In much the same way, if we don't develop healthy spiritual rhythms, it's impossible for us to walk faithfully with Christ. That's why Sabbath is such an important part of the Israelites' weekly rhythm and help them to orient themselves around the very source of their lives in God. God was there, is our source of life. And so when we stray too far away from him, that exhaustion grabs hold of us. And we tend to try and fill our lives with things that never quite fill us or that if they do, they only do so temporarily. But you see, our relationship with Jesus promises to sustain us. When Jesus says, I am the gate for the sheep, he says, I have come so that those who believe in me may have life to the full. He is our sustainer. Now, something interesting about our author, Luke, who wrote both the Gospel of Luke and the Acts of the Apostles, is that he often uses sleep metaphors. More than any of the other gospel writers, he uses these sleeping metaphors. There's multiple times when the disciples fall asleep at a critical moment, during Jesus' transfiguration or before Jesus is arrested. But Luke also uses parables that we don't find in any of the other gospels that revolve around the idea of falling asleep or remaining attentive. Luke uses the themes of sleep, of nighttime or night versus day, as a metaphor for spiritual exhaustion and spiritual laziness. And he also often uses the theme of light versus darkness, Jesus as the light and sin as darkness. And we see all of this in our story about Eutychus. So what's the significance of this story and why does Luke include it in the midst of recording their travel? What is he trying to get at? Well, because we know that this is Luke's style of storytelling and that because we see these themes intentionally and explicitly stated in this passage, I believe that this message is twofold. First, it serves as a warning of what happens when spiritual exhaustion or spiritual laxity sets in. But secondly, and more importantly, it's a message about the depth of God's grace. Now, while it's important and significant that Paul raises a man from the dead, I don't think that's the main point of this story. Because if it were simply a point, a story about Paul raising a man from the dead, he could have simply done that from the window. He could have shouted down and said, hey, Eutychus, get back up here. And in some ways that might have been more impressive because it couldn't be confused that when he went down there, he resuscitated Eutychus. It would have been him just shouting at him and Eutychus coming back up. But instead it says that Paul runs down three flights of stairs, throws himself on this man, raises him from the dead, and then goes back upstairs to continue preaching. And when we look at the first part of this passage, Luke begins with those themes. We see that the lights were on. It says that there were many lamps, that it was a well-lit room. So we know that light was present. But we also know that darkness was present because he says that Paul spoke until midnight. 
Paul spoke through the night, well into the darkness. And so let me ask you this, church. When you think about the light and the darkness, where do we find Eutychus in this story? Exactly in the middle. If Eutychus is sitting on the windowsill, he is sitting on the edge of the room that is well lit, and he's sitting on the edge of the darkness outside. He is smack dab in the middle. Eutychus chooses to sit on the windowsill. He chooses to put himself in this precarious position. He quite literally puts himself on the edge. Now, we are all fallen human beings, no pun intended. We are all fallen human beings, meaning that we all make mistakes. We all have moments of weakness in those moments or seasons in life when we fall away from the light disrupt our spiritual lives. They disrupt our relationship with Christ. So one of the ways to avoid this is to not allow ourselves to become spiritual lazy, spiritually lazy, is not to put ourselves in the middle, to not toe that line between the light and the darkness. And if you're starting to wonder in your life, if you're getting too close to that line, if you're towing that line, you're probably too close already, right? Because we shouldn't be thinking, how close can we get to the line? We should be staying as far away from it as we can. We can come back from that spiritual exhaustion, that spiritual laziness, when we recognize that maybe we are putting ourselves in a precarious position. Eutychus makes the conscious choice to sit on the windowsill. Stay away from the window. Have you ever had that dream where you're falling and then all of a sudden you wake up and it's usually with like a jolt or a flail of some sort? It's not fun, is it? Like, you have a panic attack when you wake up. Your heart's racing, you're breathing heavy, you're maybe even starting to sweat a little bit. It takes you a second to collect yourself. Well, let me tell you, I have had that dream a few times where I know I snapped awake with a new urgency for living. Because, like, you get so scared that you wake up, and that dream was so vivid that you're hyper-aware of every fiber of your being, like you start to tingle all over. Don't you think that that's how Eutychus had to be feeling when he woke up after falling three stories? So if you feel like you're walking that line, that you're sitting on that windowsill, that you're daring gravity to pull you down, whether it's temptation or complacency or bitterness, whatever it may be, if you feel like you are sitting on that windowsill, get off the ledge. Wake up and get off the windowsill. Let this story be your wake-up call. Now, we've talked a lot about Eutychus in this story but I also want to turn our attention to another person or persons in this story. Because as I was reading this story, I realized it's not just spiritual laxity on the part of Eutychus. 
but also on the part of the church. On those who have gathered together, who didn't stop him from sitting on the windowsill, who didn't pull him off when he started to do that head nod. Luke tells us that it was a well-lit room, so I have to believe that someone saw him sit on that windowsill and was smart enough to think, hey, don't do that. That's an open window, and if you lean back for some reason, you're going to fall three flights. That's a long ways down. Or I have to think that someone saw him start to do that head nod and could have gone over there and grabbed him. Now, clearly, Eutychus needed to wake up in this story. And, but this story isn't just about ourselves waking up from spiritual exhaustion because it's also about accountability in community. It's about helping others wake up, helping others recognize when maybe they're starting to fall asleep, recognizing when a brother or sister is maybe struggling and helping them through it, helping them back into the light. Because when we grow in our authentic relationships and community, we're able to look out for one another. And Paul tells us this same thing in one of the very first letters he writes, the first letter to the Thessalonians, he says, but you brothers and sisters are not in darkness so that this day should surprise you like a thief. No, you are children of the light and children of the day. We do not belong to the night or to the darkness, so then let us not be like others who are asleep, but let us be awake and sober. For those who sleep, sleep at night, and those who get drunk, get drunk at night. But since we belong to the day, let us be sober, putting on faith and love as a breastplate and hope of salvation as a helmet. For God did not appoint us to suffer wrath, but to receive salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. He died for us so that whether we are awake or asleep, we may live together with him. Therefore, encourage one another and build each other up, just as in fact you are doing. Maybe we have fallen asleep on each other. We need to wake up in order that we ourselves don't fall, yes. But we also need to wake up and go get Eutychus. I guarantee that when Eutychus went back upstairs, he steered clear of that window. Because here's the thing, church. It's about us waking up to the ways that we have exhausted ourselves, to the things that we have put at the center of our lives ahead of God. And it's also about being accountable to one another in community. It's about going to get Eutychus, as Paul does, who stops what he's doing in order to go get the one who has fallen away. He doesn't just shout after him. He runs down three flights of stairs to go get him and bring him back upstairs. And he doesn't just sit there and think, well, it serves him right for sitting on the windowsill. Because if he would have done that, that would have been a failure on his part. It would have been not seeing the plank in his own eye, not recognizing his own need for grace. So Paul knew that he had to go get Eutychus. We can't be afraid to ask each other where we're at in our walk with Christ, to help each other stay awake, to bring each other back into the flock because Jesus is coming for his sheep. 
Now, we are all Eutychus at some point, right? We're all Eutychus. So what happens then? What happens when we didn't steer clear of the darkness? When we fell out our window? We've all had moments and seasons in life where we're sitting on that windowsill. Where maybe we feel ourselves falling away. Or maybe where you're even lying on the ground wondering if there's any way you could ever get back up. And maybe you're there right now. Well, that's where the second part of this message comes in. Because Eutychus is lying on the ground dead. No way for him to get back up. And yet Paul says, don't be alarmed. He's alive. Paul doesn't leave Eutychus on the ground, but runs down three flights of stairs to bring him back. Just as the shepherd goes after that lost sheep, Paul brings him back. So if you are lost, or if you are fallen and feel as though there's no way you could ever get back up, no way you could ever get out of the darkness, know that you are never out of God's reach. David realized this when he penned Psalm 139. Saying, if I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, sea, even there your hand will guide me. Your right hand will hold me fast. If I say, surely the darkness will hide me and the light become night around me, even in the darkness, even the darkness will not be dark to you. The night will shine like day for the darkness is light to you, O God. You are never out of his reach, and in the lowest moments of your life, he comes to get you. In his grace and mercy, in his deep love, there is no place that is too dark, because he has sent his light into this world so that we would not remain in the darkness, but that we would be brought back into the light. So let us together remain in that light. Let's pray. Gracious God, we give you thanks for your light. That you sent your son in this world to be a beacon of hope. To shine in the darkness. To reach to every place to reach into our lives where we think there's no way that we can ever get back up. You pull us back into the light. You bring us back into the flock because you love us that much. And it's in your son's name we pray. Amen. And now receive this blessing. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May he make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. And may he lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace now and forevermore. Amen.